SatPod. Episode 173 of the Spanish Announce Table Podcast, a podcast about professional wrestling. It is August the 10th, 2017. My name is Warren. Joining me, as always, is nobody. Okay, maybe not as always. Um, Yeah, so this is the first in the SatPod world. Scotty couldn't make it. Brando couldn't make it. Well, okay, Brando can't make it because he has baseball. This is his last game, so ideally we'll have him every week moving forward again, which is good. Boris is out of town. That's fine. The man's got family. Boris got kids. Boris got kids. So, you know, he's got to do that thing. That's fine. Scotty was scheduled to join me today. Um, I reached out to one Colton Kelly and got completely big-timed. Never even responded at all. So we and him have heat. And then Scotty had an interview today that got moved later than what it was. And I'm starting an hour earlier than usual. And I have... We record this on Thursday, as I said. I have Friday and Monday off of work, so I'm looking to get the hell out of here as soon as I can. So, ipso facto, it's a solo show today for me. So, I this might be awful. This might be absolutely horrendous. This might be the worst podcast you've ever listened to. And if it is, I will own that. I'm going to do my very best to try and make it not that. Uh, but chances are that it's going to suck, so be prepared. It's going to be probably quite a bit shorter because it is just me, and I do want to get the hell out of here, so I'm going to rattle through as much stuff as I can, as quickly as I can. But uh, we'll still talk about Raw. We'll still talk about SmackDown. I didn't watch NXT because I forgot about it, but all the regular stuff's going to be there. It's just going to be all diesel for the entire podcast, so brace yourselves. Uh, over the past week, what have I done? Uh, well, Brando and I went and we watched this, the, the Spider-Man last night. Uh, it was a good film. We saw it very late in its run, so there was like nobody in the theater, which was very nice. I, unfortunately, uh, did not eat anything all day, and we went and saw the movie like right after I got off work. So I got a big bag of popcorn because I was starving for some good movie theater popcorn. Crushed it. Pretty quickly, albeit. I'm not a very fast eater for a fat guy, but when it comes to popcorn, it's oh, it's go time. So I crushed it, and then uh, <laughs> right as the big... I won't spoil it. No spoilers on the Spider-Man. But right as the big fight between Spider-Man and the villain of this movie is like literally about to start, my stomach goes threat level midnight. Hit the alarm. Go time, eject, eject, eject. And it is like, I went from zero to, oh my God, will I make it in a matter of six seconds. Thankfully, I did make it. Although, I missed the entire fight scene. Like, came back and it had just ended, which was kind of comical in its own self. But the process of getting to the bathroom was terrifying because of where we were, the theater, because it's been in theaters for so long. It was way in the back of the theater. So I came out, and there was like a, one of those family bathrooms that are like men, women, and children. Everyone can go in. It's just like a one-person stall. So I knew that was right outside the theater, and I went up to it, and of course, somebody's in there. So, okay, this is going to be photo finish. This is going to be real tight because I got to walk all the way around the corner and down there, and I got to fight off what's about to happen Coming out of my butt in about 10 seconds. 
So I'm waddling down there, clenching, clenching, and I made it, and it was good. But, oh, that poor bathroom. I just destroyed the thing. It wasn't even fair. And then I came back in, watched the rest of the movie, and now I'm missing a big chunk out of the Spider-Man because of my horrible bowels. What a night. What a night it was. Popcorn was good, though. It was pretty delicious. I'll say that much. It may have bit me in the ass pretty quickly, but worth it. Other than that, <laughs> not a very eventful week. I'm tired. I've worked a lot over the past two weeks. I've had one day off, so I'm very excited to have a couple days off here. I have a family reunion coming up this weekend, so I'm going to uh, hang out with the fam and drink a lot, probably. So that's that's my weekend plans. God, this podcast is horrendous already. How far in am I? Oh, good. Five minutes. Great. Swell. <laughs> uh, if anybody actually makes it all the way through this podcast, I will be very proud of you. And also kind of sad for you that you actually put yourself through such a horrendous experience. Um, I Yeah, I have nothing else to talk about from the week, so let's just jump right over into the news. And now... Spanish announced table news. Warren Barris. <laughs> All right. What do we have for the news? Uh, the biggest thing that I noticed from this past week was one John, jo- John Jones teasing that he was thinking about or considering showing up at SummerSlam. I don't mean in the ring. Just at ringside, I guess. Somebody just asked him, uh, did he have an eye or did he have a th- uh, thought about showing up and keeping an eye on his potential opponent? And he replied on Twitter that it had, quote, crossed his mind. And people <laughs> blew this up like it was some crazy. He won't show up. And if he does, cool. But it's not like he's going to wrestle or anything. It's a stupid story. Anyways, uh, today. Thursday the 10th is the apparently the 20th anniversary of DX. There's a lot of really cool tweets and stuff. Uh, like even the, the New Day, we're doing some... Uh, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? See, this is where people would usually help me. Tributes. They were doing a tribute and wearing the DX shirt and crotch chopping and stuff. There's a lot of cool things from DX. Okay. Happy 20 years, DX. That's a horrible news story. Darren Young has been cleared. To return to the ring. Remember him? Make Darren great again? Destroyed his arm in one of the grossest things I've ever seen? Uh, He has been cleared to get back into the ring. He can start as early as next week. That probably won't happen. I would assume there's rumors of another superstar shakeup coming. So maybe that's how he comes back as he gets flipped over to SmackDown. Do you put him back with Bob Backlund again? I wouldn't. Like, did that really do anything for him? Did it work at any point in time? No, so I think let's try something else. Let's completely repackage Darren Young and see. Hey, put him back with Titus. Put him in the Titus brand. Fuck it. Why not? What else are you going to do with this guy? Nothing. Man, that's, that might be the best idea I've ever had. Put Titus or put Darren Young in the Titus brand. Done. Uh, Brandy Rhodes uh, departed from Global Force Wrestling. 
Um, just it seemed like it was a very amicable departure, I think. I don't think there was any hard feelings one way or another. Just that her time was done. So that's good for her. Uh, remember Dolph Ziggler? Ziggler? No? Anybody? He used to be a wrestler. Uh, he has not been on TV for a very long time. Nor has Eric Rowan or Luke Harper. I really thought, and I think it was Ty Loney that originally pointed this out on Twitter, and I saw it from him first, that Eric Rowan and Luke Harper were going to be behind the whole Fandango and Tyler Breeze attacks. We'll get into that in SmackDown later, but uh, they have not been on TV in a while, and apparently, according to your boy Dave, Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Radio, that they're off TV because creative simply has nothing for them to do. Seriously? You can't find anything for them to do. And so they ah, you just fucking, we won't put you on TV. It's so ridiculous that that is a thing that happens in 2017. You can't find anything to do for your roster, your entire roster. There's not that many guys on SmackDown. And you can't find something for those three dudes to do. Ridiculous. All right. Well, that's the news. We're now 10 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm going to set the record for shortest podcast ever. But that's fine. Listen, if there's no news to talk about, I can't just make shit up. I got to just read what there is. And there's nobody here to react to stuff. So that's that's just the way it's going to be today. This feels so weird. Like, I feel like it's awful, but it might not be. And I'm also just talking to myself in here. If there's nobody here. There's a... Oddly enough, a propane tank in this room for some fucked up reason. Uh, and that's it. It's me and the propane tank. So it's going to be good. Good podcast. Okay. Um, that's the news, I guess. Let's slide over to Monday Night Raw. The ACC in Toronto. Every time, I, The Rock has ruined Toronto as a live wrestling crowd. Because anytime somebody does the cheap pop of saying Toronto, Ontario, all I can think of is the clip of him, heel rock, going, That's where we live! He said Toronto! It just, it's ruined it for me. Like, I just, I can't help but think of that. Every single time. Uh, but they were a hot crowd in Toronto. Uh, it took them a while to figure out their chance on Raw anyway. SmackDown was a really, really good crowd. Uh, but yeah, they continue to be... Uh, we, hey, WWE, come to Canada more often, hey? We're a good crowd. We're a hot crowd. We react well. I don't... Why? Why wouldn't you? Screwing us over up here. We haven't had TV here in Edmonton in like fucking six years. Why? We like wrestling here too. Okay. The show opened with The Miz and his Miztourage in the ring. Miz demanded that Jason Jordan come to the ring and get payback for attacking him last week. Kurt Angle came out and said Jordan has a match against Curtis Axel later tonight. But he's giving Miz TV a special guest. And then Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman come out. Miz insults Brock. He said Brock Lesnar would take his ball and go home after he loses at SummerSlam. 
and Heyman said that Lesnar will demonstrate how the SummerSlam Fatal 4-Way will go, and then Lesnar proceeded to lay out Axel, Miz, and Bo Dallas. This gave me flashbacks to that one time that Bo Dallas, I think it was in his sign gimmick days where he was in the ring and he had been on like a two or three week tear where he was actually starting to beat people. And then Lesnar just randomly came out and beat the ever-loving shit out of him. Like F5'd him like six times or something ridiculous. That's what this made me think of. But I have a theory on this whole segment and uh, I guess I'll talk about that after we get into Jordan's match a little later on. Sheamus and Cesar, Sheamus and Rollins rather were the uh, the first match. Rollins went uh, to the top rope. Cesaro distracted him, allowing Sheamus to roll up Rollins for the pin. After the match, Rollins tried to fight both members of the bar, the bar, if you will, uh, but they beat him down. And then Dean Ambrose did not come out and make the save here, which I thought was interesting, um, just because you always expect it, right? There's that awkward silence of like, huh? And three, two. One, music's going to hit, and, and it just didn't happen. I thought it was a really cool touch. Uh, they continue to just tease that there's something going on between these two. I don't know if it's that big of a deal for me. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to do a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, it should be all three of them instead of, oh, we'll do two now and then three somewhere down the line. I just, no. If you're going to do it, do it all three of them and let it cool down. Until you do it. So that when you do bring it back, it's not like, well, yeah, but those two reunited a year ago, so it's not that big of a deal. That's how I would think about it anyway. But again, maybe I'm in the minority on that one. Uh, Backstage, Rollins confronted Ambrose and asked him what he has to do to prove he's not the same person he was three years ago. Ambrose told him he's not getting burned again, but he said uh, he needed to get ready uh, to go it alone against Cesaro later. So you kind of had the two... uh, Two guys facing off against the uh, tag team champions in those ones. Uh, Jason Jordan defeated Jean-Pierre Goulet. He was a local, well, I guess not super local. I would assume from Quebec somewhere. There's this weird line where <laughs> where uh, um, Booker T said, oh, I bet you he's from Canada. And then Cole laughed. and said, Oh, how'd you figure that? You guys are... They find weird shit funny, those two. Like, it's it's such old man humor that it's like, what the hell are you guys even laughing about right now? That's not that funny. It's not funny at all. Like, it's not even laugh-worthy. It, it confuses me more than aids the product in any way, but I digress. Uh, Jason Jordan made his entrance for this match, but backstage, Axel was not medically cleared to compete. Angle found uh, Jean-Pierre Goulet standing there in his tights, ready to go. And gave him the opportunity, and he came out uh, and had a match that uh, Jason Jordan ended up winning via pinfall after hitting his back suplex neckbreaker dealy thing. Now, my theory here is that they are going to start at some point, uh, some sort of, and whether it's with The Miz calling him out for it, or if it's somebody else after The Miz program, somebody's going to call out Kurt Angle for playing favoritism with Jason Jordan. My logic here is that because Kurt Angle specifically said that he booked Brock Lesnar for that opening segment on Miz TV, that he knew that Brock Lesnar was going to come out and destroy everyone, and he knew that Curtis Axel wasn't going to be ready to have his match, so then he knew that that jobber guy was going to be standing right there and would send him out, and it would be an easy win for his little boy, a.k.a. Jason Jordan. That's my theory on that. I guess we'll see if that ends up being the reality. But it just seemed all too convenient that he specifically brought up the fact that 
He booked Brock Lesnar. I have booked you this new guest. Brock Lesnar comes out. That's just the scent that I kind of sniffed up a little bit on that one. I could be way off base. I guess we'll find out. Bailey came out. She addressed the crowd and said that she was frustrated about her injury. Uh, the news was that she has separated her shoulder. Apparently, it is a shoot injury. I'm not entirely convinced still, but uh, I think it was Meltzer that said that this was, in fact, a real injury, and it was really separated, and she will not be cleared for SummerSlam. Therefore, they had to kind of scramble to to get a new number one contender for this. So she came out and talked about that. She uh, thinks that her friend Sasha Banks will become the new number one contender to Alexa Bliss's title. Uh, Banks then came out, and she had a match with Emma and Alicia Fox. So there was going to be two matches, two three-way matches. The winner of those two matches will then have a match next week to become the number one contender for Alexa Bliss's WWE Championship. Sasha Banks defeats Emma and Alicia in this one. Uh, Bliss was on commentary for this match. Banks had Fox in the bank statement. Emma broke it up with a roll-up. Banks kicked out, transitioned into the bank statement again, this time on Emma, who then tapped out to the move. I thought this match was pretty sloppy. I didn't really care about it. I kind of forgot that Alicia Fox was a wrestler still. I did kind of wonder if maybe they would, just for the sake of the swerve, have Emma win here, just to put somebody else in that in that actual number one contenders thing. But it probably wouldn't have made sense storyline-wise. You got to at least ta- tease that Sasha's going to win that match, even if she doesn't eventually end up winning the number one contender match. You got to at least have her in the in the final dance. So I get that. Enzo Amore and Big Show. We're talking about uh, Big Cass in the ring. They were interrupted by the club, which was interesting. Enzo challenged Gallows and Anderson to a match. These guys are completely lost. Granted, at least they're being booked. At least they're not being given... The Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler treatment of, ah, we got nothing for you, boys, so just stay off TV. But in a weird way, I think I might almost prefer that as opposed to this weird thing of them just existing on Raw and one week they're a face and then the next week their heels coming out to attack Enzo. Like, it just, I don't know. It feel I feel so bad for these guys because I know they're better than what they've been doing over the past little while. They're one of the best tag teams that they have in the company as a tag team, they're just not getting used for whatever reason. So maybe that's another person or team that can benefit from that superstar shakeup that is reportedly coming relatively soon. Um, Yeah, maybe send them to SmackDown, and then that kind of freshens things up. Although, then again, New Day's on SmackDown now, so there's really not a lot you can do there with them that hasn't been done unless you're going to do a double flip of some sort and turn New Day heel, and yeah, anyways, it's a mess. But I think they're being severely underutilized uh, on Raw right now. Um, the club defeated Big Show and Enzo Amore. In the middle of the match, Big Cass came to ringside using the distraction. Gallows knocked Show off the apron. They hit the magic killer on Amore. Uh, he managed to roll up Gallows, but then Anderson kicked Amore in the face and covered him for the pin. So they did get the win here, but it was via distraction, and they were a complete afterthought because your main focus is on Cass and Big Show with Enzo also in that picture as well. Uh, so I didn't like that. After the match, Cass went back to Big Show. Amore jumped him. Cass got the better of the exchange. Amore ran away from Cass and led him into a knockout punch from Big Show. I don't know if it's just me. I just don't care about this matchup. I really dislike that they went with Big Show as the next guy. Like, I totally get why you do it. Shows at a point in his career where he's looking 
to help out a younger guy, especially a guy of Cass's size. He can teach him how to work the big man style because Big Show has been very good at what he does. But I just, I, as, a, as a fan watching it, as somebody who invests his money into the WWE Network and looks forward to, most of the time, pay-per-views that happen every two weeks, I just don't know if this does it for me. Like, if this isn't on the pre-show, I'll be shocked. Shocked if this is not on the pre-show. But I guess we'll find out. Uh, um, Finn Balor came to the ring, said Bray Wyatt gives him the creeps, but he's not afraid of him. He called out Wyatt and said anything Wyatt starts, he will finish. Wyatt appeared in the ring, went after Balor, but Balor got the better of him. As Balor went in for the kill, the lights went down and Wyatt disappeared again. He then appeared on the video screen telling Finn he will rip him out of the heavens and bring his fans down with him. Actually kind of like that segment. The whole mind games of now you see me, now you don't with the lights and the Wyatt bep thing. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Obviously pre-taped, but uh, nonetheless, I thought it was a cool thing. It's it's unique when you have two guys with these magical powers of turning the lights out and appearing wherever they want to. Um, that being said, I still don't think they've done enough to get the demon here. We'll see what happens next week. But at this point, if you haven't at least teased it already, something tells me that we're not going to get it. But again, you could do something big this coming Monday that uh, makes Finn snap and the demon comes out. So I guess we'll find out on there. Uh, Dean Ambrose defeated Cesaro. Sheamus tried to distract Ambrose in a mirror image of the Sheamus versus Rollins match, but Ambrose was able to roll up Cesaro and get the pin. Really nothing special in this match, I didn't think. Um, It just kind of happened. After the match, Sheamus and Cesaro began attacking Ambrose, but Rollins made the save and ran the tag champs off. Ambrose reluctantly offered his fist in the shield salute. So this time, Ambrose extends his hand uh, for the fist bump, but Rollins then shook his head and walked away. And this crowd was eating this up. The biggest pop for a attempted fist bump in the history of the world. All he did was stick his hand out, and the crowd just went bananas. And then also, big heat for Rollins when he then shook his head and said no. So clearly, I guess going back to my earlier point, I am very much in the minority as far as my give-a-fuck meter on these two reuniting without Roman Reigns in there as well because this crowd was super into the idea of this. I wish every crowd could be as good as that because a good crowd just makes a wrestling show so much better. But hey, hey, you can't all be as good as us Canadians, right? Uh, you're damn straight. Um, after that, uh, Akira Tozawa defeated Ari Divari. Tozawa won by pinfall after hitting the senton bomb. Cool. Nia Jax defeated Mickey James and Dana Brooke in the second of the triple threat matches. So Nia Jax will face Sasha Banks next week to be uh, to name the number one contender for the women's championship. Bliss sat in on commentary for this match as well. Jax won with a leg drop. Um, this was also a very sloppy match. She almost killed Dana Brooke. She almost killed Mickey James. She is slowly becoming a very, very unsafe worker. And by slowly, I mean very quickly becoming a very uh, unsafe worker. She has now injured Bailey. I'm surprised that there was no injury to Emma when she splattered her on the mat with the weird front flip leg drop thing. 
She hasn't tried it since either. Anybody else notice that? She probably came to the back and Vince lost his shit. You could have killed her. You could have smushed her on the map. Actually, he probably loved it. He probably loved the fact. Ha! Maybe that's your new... You'll sit on him. That's your new finishing move. Stink face. You're all related, right? Anyways. Uh, Last man standing match was your main event. Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Uh, Pretty good match, actually. These two uh, have some pretty good chemistry. Reigns laid out Strowman with a spear. Wandered over to the front row. Uh, Samoa Joe appeared out of the crowd, similar to how he debuted, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, locked in the coquina clutch on Reigns. Joe choked out Reigns, allowing Strowman to make it up at the count of eight and win the match. Highlight of this match, as everyone I'm sure is aware, was Braun Strowman throwing the announcer, uh, the ring announcer, I guess it would have been, chair at Roman Reigns. Excuse me, uh, like an actual office chair with the back, and he hit it so that like the seat hit Roman in the face, and it bounced off perfectly, and it was like this what the fuck moment because you don't see that ever happen. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was such a great spot, and uh, it made me laugh. It looked believable in that it would probably still hurt to have a chair thrown at your face. Um, it was such a great great spot i love that Strowman wins this match even though it's a samoa joe interference it's a no dq match you had to know some sort of fuckery was going to happen in this uh, in this main event here so uh and it teases the fact that there is four guys in this may or in the title match at SummerSlam. so i liked it uh, i thought raw was really good this week i think the crowd helped it an awful lot um studs and duds that's a thing that i should have wrote down so that i don't have to spend too much time thinking about it I will give my dud to Gallows and Anderson. Not for them, but for the usage of them. It just, I don't know, it really hit me this week that I'm like, ah, these poor bastards. Like, they just have to go out there and do this dumb shit week after week when you know, everyone knows they're better than what they've been doing. Makes me mad. My stud will be that main event. I really like that main event. That chair spot was remarkable. Popped me big time. Uh, also, I'm now just remembering that I missed arguably the biggest news story from this past week, only because it was not on the main page of the website that I use. Uh, Scott Dawson ripped his bicep at a uh, house show in Canada and will be out indefinitely for probably a good long while. I would say at least six months if it's torn. Like, that's not an easy thing to come back from. The Revival just can't seem to catch a break. That being said, I think they will be fine because the company was obviously so hot on them and uh, they were so good at what they did that uh, it's not like it'll hurt them necessarily, but it just sucks timing-wise. Like, they want to get their claws dug in on the main roster and they haven't really been able to do that uh, without one of them getting injured and it's been it was Dawson uh no sorry it was Dash first and then Dawson this time so they've kind of traded off on the injuries which sucks but yeah they'll be fine okay let's slide over to Smackdown now once I turn that up there we go Also, 
from the Air Canada Centre in Toronto, Ontario. This, uh, this specific crowd was very hot for this show. Granted, they I think they booked SmackDown more so towards the crowd, the Canadian crowd. Also, every time they come here, I got this bone to pick. Stop fucking referring to us as Bizarro World. What crowd in 2017 doesn't cheer at least one of the heels and boo one of the, at least one of the faces on a show? It's not like we're literally going out there and being like, oh, we're supposed to cheer for this guy. Well, we're going to boo him and cheer him and then boo this guy and cheer this guy. No. That's weak. Like, everyone does that now. It's not just Canada. Stop fucking calling us. I hate it. Oh! It drives me nuts. It's so dated. It's such a dumb fucking Jerry Lawler explanation of, yeah, fuck. Fuck that saying. Hate it. Okay, anyways. The show opened with John Cena. Cut a promo, but has lost to Shinsuke Nakamura last week. Baron Corbin interrupted, which set up Cena versus Corbin at SummerSlam. I didn't even know this thing happened last week. That is one of the weirdest things that I have had to hear about because I, I still haven't seen it. Apparently, at the end of last week's SmackDown, we didn't even talk about this on the podcast, which leads me to believe that neither Scotty or Boris knew that this had even happened either, was the fact that after the Shinsuke match with Cena, they're raising the hands. Corbin comes out and attacks them. And it ends up with Cena putting Corbin through one of the announce tables. And I guess this aired on the network ahead of 205 Live officially starting. Which is fine. I get that. You want to push exclusive content? Anything can happen on the WWE Network. I get that. I get that side of it. But you should have at least... You can't tease it, obviously. You can't have, you know, Byron Saxton say, oh, and coming up after SmackDown tonight, Baron Corbin's going to try and beat the shit out of Shinsuke. Obviously, that doesn't work in this situation. What you could have easily done is Cena is raising Shinsuke's hand, they're having their moment in the ring, and then the moment of, boom, Corbin attacks from behind, and they fade to black. And then you go, wait a minute, what, 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 the, what the fuck? Go to the network and see what the fuck's going on. Because otherwise, you would never you would never go to the network. And I know that not everyone hates 205 Live, so there are people that are going to watch it. But there are, I think, a greater majority of people that are not watching it. In fact, I don't even need to think that. It shows in those weekly top 10 shows that Boris brings in when he's in here with his news that 205 Live is rarely in the top five. If it is, it's like 8, 9, or 10. People aren't super into that show. Why you wouldn't at least tease us to give us some sort of an idea that, hey, something's happening, go to the network right now, is far beyond me. But apparently I just, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to make those big decisions, so what do I know? Uh, the Usos had a tag team match against the team of Ty Dillinger and Sami Zayn. Obviously, massive pop for Ty Dillinger uh, when his music hit, big time over. Um, it just, it, again, you talk about a guy that similar to, uh, the club that is just being severely underutilized Ty Dillinger, like the, the dude was so hot with that 10 chant when he came in, uh, even after he came in and they still didn't use him for a couple weeks, the 10 chant was everywhere and they just didn't use him for anything baffling. 
I mean, I guess when you creative doesn't have anything for you, you just sit there. That's what we're what we're learned today. I do really like the tag team of him and Sami Zayn. Obviously, crowd pop big for Zayn as well, being that he is Canadian. Um, I like these guys. There's something with them there. Uh, and it just makes a lot of sense that, well, you got nothing really else for either one of them to do. And you are kind of shorthanded on that tag division right now uh, with uh, the Colognes being injured. And what am I missing? Something else happened where somebody's gone. Oh, with uh, Jason Jordan not being with Chad Gable anymore. So, yeah, I, I just I maybe they could just keep running with Dillinger and Zane as a tag team moving forward. Uh, the Usos do end up picking the win on this one. Uh, made Ty Dillinger submit to the Tequila Sunrise. After the match, New Day jumped the Usos, and uh, that's how that all ended. I thought, you know, it's very predictable. It's, we've come to this point where you just expect that the babyface in his quote-unquote hometown was really not neither of their hometowns, but it's Canada, and that's the only place they ever do TV, so technically it is their homeland. Uh, that you expect them that they will lose. I thought this worked really well. I thought the Usos got pretty good heat considering that they are very good at what they've been doing and easy to cheer because they have been very good at what they're doing. I actually got into a conversation with Brando uh, while we were watching this this, uh, program about the Usos. When have you ever seen a tag team come into the business, come into the WWE with a gimmick get some very good success with that gimmick with the face paint and the and everything like they got to the top they got very good at what they did and then people got tired of them and they started to dislike them and they kind of started to slip a little bit they went away for a while with an injury they come back with a total rebranding of the gimmick complete overhaul and their heels and they have already climbed their way back up to the top again when do you see that from a tag team where they start low get to the top, go back down, and get right back up to the top again with a completely different gimmick. It's kind of unheard of when you really think about it. It just goes to show you that they are very, very good at what they do. Uh, but that's besides the point. All right, now we'll talk about the... It was another edition of the uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze mystery thing. I, I, this was another of the Twin Peaks version of it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sad about this because I, I don't know if it was just me or I, if everyone felt this way, I was super into the whodunit that they were leading us along with teasing us that somebody was behind these attacks and there was assumptions that, Oh, what if it's the authors of pain? That one was a bit of a stretch, but it would have been cool or the idea that I talked about earlier that I saw from Ty of Eric Rowan and Luke Harper coming back together. Again, I don't love it because I think they should not be a tag team anymore. They've split and got back together and split too many times now that I think they should stay separate. But I would have still preferred that over what we got in this segment. Um, Arn Anderson appeared admitting that he destroyed Fandango's horse Tully because they should have named it Arn. That was a pretty funny line. I will give them that. But then they just revealed that the person who abducted Fandango, Fandango just walked in and went, yeah, it's aliens. And then that was it. So I like, I get that that is the humor of it all. That the humor is, aha, you bit on this stupid thing that was never going to be a real thing. But it's wrestling. You can't 
set something up like that and expect us not all to really buy into it and then be kind of disappointed when it turns out to be literally nothing. Again, that might just be me, but I thought uh, this was still funny, but I just, I don't know. I wanted it to be somebody. I really wanted it to be somebody behind those attacks. Uh, Charlotte and Lana had a match here. This was set up after Charlotte, uh, or no, sorry, after Lana was backstage talking to Tamina, and she said that she wanted to be like Tamina, but more ravishing and better looking and better at wrestling than she is. And she got all upset about it and then went and challenged uh, Charlotte. Actually, I think that happened after SmackDown last week. It was one of those exclusive WWE.com dealies. Uh, Charlotte won the match here after a big boot and the figure eight. Charlotte also had her uh, bottoms slide off of her on a sunset flip attempt by Lana. That was the thing that happened. Sure, that's on the internet somewhere. I didn't actually look it up because do you really need to based on the events that have happened over the last year? Uh, this really wasn't anything special. Charlotte won. It's still weird to me seeing her as a face. I just, I don't know. I don't like it. She just is such a natural heel. She has that great bitch look to her that I just want to hate her. Even now that I know she is officially a baby face, I see her and go, that's a person that I'm supposed to boo. Maybe that'll never change. Maybe it will. Who knows? Shane McMahon came out to discuss the controversy between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Um, they named this segment something really stupid, too, and I don't remember what it was. It was the laying down the law with Shane McMahon or something stupid like that. Anyways, they had all three of them in the ring. Uh, I really liked how they tied into AJ having wrestled Shane at Mania this year. Uh, with Owens playing footage, and I thought that now that AJ was a babyface, he would do the whole, oh, that you know, that's all behind us now. We've moved on. We've shaken hands. But they really tease that AJ also doesn't trust Shane, which I think is a really interesting dynamic because usually when you get the special guest referee, it's that person is in there because they are feuding or have something with one of the two, usually a heel or, no, sorry, usually a babyface. Uh, one of the wrestlers so that the guy can screw him over and that's how that goes. But now you have this babyface referee in Shane McMahon who the heel, Kevin Owens, obviously hates, but the babyface AJ Styles also isn't crazy about. It's a weird dynamic. I'm kind of interested in this now. A week ago, I couldn't say that, but now I can. So I guess that's a good thing. Uh, the segment ended with a bit of a brawl and then uh, AJ uh, went to hit Owens with the Pele kick, but accidentally hit Shane McMahon, to which Shane McMahon said something about time and, I don't know, made some sort of a threat, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, um, yeah, I didn't mind that at all. I thought that was a kind of okay segment, considering it was named very poorly. Carmella and Naomi had a match. Carmella won the non-title match after James Ellsworth returned and interfered and uh, pushed... Naomi off the top rope, therefore causing somewhat of a distraction, and Carmella pinned her. My question here is, why wouldn't you have just cashed in? You pinned her. You had her rattled. She's tired. And you now have James Ellsworth back, officially, because his 30-day suspension or whatever it was is now up, I assume, because he's legally there. So why didn't you just turn around and cash it in after you just beat the champ? 
it's just weird. Like the, they got to be really careful with how they book whoever has that money in the bank. Does she cash it in at main or at uh, SummerSlam? Is that too soon for that? Or do you get Corbin cashing in at SummerSlam? Does Shinsuke win it, and then Corbin cashes in, and you go back to that feud again? I hope not, because it really wasn't that good. They had some pretty poor matches, if you ask me. But I don't know. Uh, I thought that was just a little weird to watch her win and then not cash in on the champion that she just beat. Or 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 for the not even not even after the match when no chin what's his name interferes, then just cash it in right there. Give me the briefcase. She's knocked out because you pushed her off the rope. Here's the briefcase. Ding ding ding. One two three. It's over. Like I don't. Know. I get that there's no place for logic, but that just seemed very dumb to me. Uh, the main event was Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal in a grudge match. In a in a. Randy Orton really needs a win, but we can't put the title on the line, and he's lost to Jinder Mahal four times, so he's going to win this no-meaningless match on SmackDown match. Because that's exactly what happened. Randy Orton defeated him. Uh, You did not have the Singh brothers at ringside, which I thought was just weird. Like, they didn't explain it at all. I don't think, anyway, unless I missed it. It just, they weren't there. Uh, This was the first time that anybody acknowledged Greg Khali since the pay-per-view. When John or JBL said, "Oh, he doesn't have the same brothers or the great Kali," so yeah, he was just out there and then lost. The, the Singh brothers were there because I saw that picture of uh, them with Jinder hanging out with actor Cal Penn. I think that's his name. Is that his name? Cal Penn, the guy from Harold and Kumar. I think that's what it is. I'm gonna double check on that so I don't sound like it. Yeah, it is Cal Penn. Good, nailed it. Yeah, he's hanging out with him backstage. Just, like, took a picture with Cal Penn holding the title, which I've now just retweeted on the SatPod page. At SatPod, which you can check out. I keep hearing noises behind me, and now that there's nobody across from me, there's nobody to watch my, literally watch my back for me. So I keep turning around, and that's why my voice kind of sounds weird every now and then when I turn my head. I'm freaking out in here alone. I don't like this. This will never happen again. You know, I very easily could have just called it quits today. But I decided to stay after work on a day that I don't have to work the next day just to make this podcast happen. So I'm not saying you have to shower me with adoration, but maybe you should think about showering me with adoration. Uh, That was uh, uh, Randy Orton beat Jinder Mahal. I was going to say that was it, but that was not it. Randy Orton beat Jinder Mahal. Uh, he able to counter the Coloss into an RKO to win the match. I thought the RKO was really good, and it looked great coming out of that move. Uh, it's just weird that they made this happen. Like, I get that Orton needed to win, but did he need to beat the guy that he lost to? Like, why is he okay with this? Why Me, as a wrestler, this would piss me off even more. If I fought this guy three times, or two times, or whatever it was, and lost to him, and then got this weird grudge match on a random SmackDown in Toronto, and then beat him, I'd be like, okay, well, I should get another title match then, because I just fucking beat the guy. But no, instead, I'm going to go wrestle Rusev. Which, I don't know if that's a great program for me. But that we'll get to that, because uh, as Orton was at the top of the ramp, just getting to the top, uh, or sorry, just as the show was getting off, going off the air, Rusev attacked Orton from behind. Which I thought... Immediately, because it literally, it was boom, 
And then Russo's standing there, and it faded to black. And I went, oh, okay, you learned your lesson. You're going to keep doing this on a weekly basis. And then I got to go to the network to watch the network to see if this continues and there's this big brawl and somebody else goes through a table before 205 starts. No, there was nothing. There was nothing this week. What the fuck is going on? Ridiculous. Anyways, uh, studs and duds from the SmackDown. Stud, I will give to the crowd. I thought they were very, very good in this. When Daniel Bryan came out in that main uh, main segment, or that first segment, rather, to book Corbin and Cena, they went bananas for him, like really crazy. Um, what were they chanting at Corbin, too? Dumpster fire? Because some dude in the crowd was holding a sign that said dumpster fire? How great do you think that dude felt? He's going to be telling his children's children's children about that. I can guarantee you. He'll bring it up on the WWE Network. There's me, kids, with the stupid sign. Um, so that is my stud. The crowd is my stud. Uh, my dud will be the Carmella-Naomi match. I don't know why it happened. I could have been a cash-in for me. I just, I don't know. The whole thing was pretty stupid, so. There you go. Okay. Um... I did not, well, obviously 205, I did not watch, so we're not, not even going to bother trying to wade my way through that. I didn't watch NXT, but ooh, I'll talk about it right now and give you my thoughts as I read things for the first time. There you go. That's a unique podcast experience, isn't it? You get to what, listen to me read the results from a wrestling show for the very first time. Riveting stuff. Uh, sanity. This is from the WWE website, and this is maybe the most WWE website line of all time. Sanity sent a painful message to the authors of pain. I guess they just came out and beat him up. Uh, Sanity began in the ring. Uh, oh, Eric Young came back. Okay. That's good. At least he's back now. Uh, and then they beat them up. Okay, cool. Oh, the Street Profits debuted. Shit, I got to go back and watch this. I'm kind of stoked on these guys. I hope they didn't suck. But I'm kind of weirdly excited to see what these guys are doing. I like the Red Cup thing. Um, I hope they have logos on the Red Cup, like a Street Profits logo, so it's like their own branded Red Cup. You sell those things, you'll make a lot of money, I bet. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it does kind of seem a little... I don't want to say racist, but, you know, on that side of things, maybe. But at the same time, I don't know. I think it looks really cool. It, I, I, just from the vignettes. That's all I'm basing this off of, right, off of right now. Obviously, I have not seen them wrestle, so I will watch that show, and we'll talk about that next week. Roderick Strong interjected himself into Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre's conflict. Are they putting him in that match? They probably will. I have not seen any spoilers from these tapings, so I don't know if he will eventually be actually added to that match. Or did that happen in this segment? Uh, Rude McIntyre. No, still just them two, hey? All right. Uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan. Ooh, again, eh? Did somebody bleed in this match, too? Let's have a look here. No, no blood. That's, they should, you know what? They should become a tag team. Two just brawlers, heavy hitters who throw punches and beat the shit out of people. Uh, and then your main event was Andrade Cien Almas versus No Way Jose in a match that I probably won't watch. 
I do really like what they're doing with Cien Almas. Um, was the chick with him in this one? Did she debut? Vega? Yeah, she did. Okay. That's good. I like that. I like this whole gimmick of like, ah, I don't really care about wrestling. I'm just here to party and have a good time. That's cool. Because he looks like a douchebag who would think that way. So it makes a lot of sense. I just, I don't know if I care about a match between him and Noe Jose. So there you go. All right. That's the NXT coverage. <laughs> this poor podcast. Nobody's listening at this point, right? You've all shut this off like 10 minutes into the podcast, realizing what a train wreck this was going to be. At least I hope you did. Uh, let's go over to the emails, or should I say email? Yeah, you guys really came through on this one. I tweeted out specifically saying, hey, I'm going to be solo tonight, so if you guys want to send some emails, that'll help me fill some time. Yeah, one email. God damn it. That's okay. I want to get the fuck out of here at the same point, so I'm not too mad. Uh, it is from Nova Punk. Subject line, a good one. I'll be the judge of that. How would you book Ronda Rousey if she was to leave UFC and join WWE as a part-timer? Well, A, I don't think she needs to leave UFC to join WWE as a part-timer. I think she can still be under contract to them, although I don't know if Dana would allow it, I guess, because there's a chance she gets hurt, so maybe she would need to terminate that contract. Either way, uh, how would you book her to come in? Um, Very good question. Yeah, I the easy thing is with Steph, right? Because that's was her first appearance was with the Steph and the Rock thing. But is that where you want to go? I think they're building towards some sort of a four horsewomen of the WWE versus four horsewomen of the MMA world. Because three of the four of the MMA world have now been involved in wrestling in some form, with the fourth being Ronda Rousey who has not actually competed, but she was at the Mae Young Classic. And there's the whole Twitter interactions between Becky Lynch and Chris Cyborg. So I I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. with the. Maybe that's the best way to do it. Have them do like a... Fuck, maybe it's Survivor Series. At the four horse, well, no, because that doesn't work because they're on, well, it is a joint show, I guess. I was going to say it doesn't work because they're on SmackDown and Raw, but it is a joint show, so you could bring them all together to have one match against the four MMA ladies. I don't know. I think that might be the best way because I don't think you want to see her have a one-on-one match on her debut. Do you? Like, I think that's a risky move that probably won't end up paying off for you, so... Put her in a tag match, and then you can hide her. Maybe you do throw an actual, well, actual, like a WWE talent in there on that team just to help things out. Maybe it's, uh, what's your name from NXT? The uh, MMA chick whose name escapes me right now. That's all right. Zarya? Is that her name? I don't know. No, that's the chick. Ha <laughs> ha! That's the chick from Overwatch, isn't it? Shit! <laughs> oh, well. Tomato, tomato. Uh, how would she be brought in? How, who would she feud with? Would she ever be beaten? Uh, I don't know about the beaten thing. I mean, maybe eventually, but you probably don't want to have her lose her first time in because then you're just crushing all that momentum of her debuting. That being said, she's not going to be able to do a one-on-one, I don't think, as I just talked about. So, yeah. Uh, he says, also, what is your current fave wrestling T-shirt that you own? Actually, it's the one that I'm wearing right now. The Bray Wyatt Fear one where he's got, like, the hand smear mark on the front of it down. I like that one. 
mainly because it doesn't look too wrestling. Kind of just looks like a metal band shirt. And that's what I look for in wrestling shirts is that if it doesn't look too wrestling-y so that people are like, oh, that's that's a wrestling shirt, then I can get away with it. That being said, I think they have that stupid tag at the bottom, don't they? I don't know if they take that off. Or it said WWE Shop. Anyways, that's my favorite shirt right now. Thank you for your email, Nova. You're a good Sapod listener. The rest of you can fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. Oh, shit. I didn't pick a pay-per-view. God damn it. Now I'm going to have to stall for time while I think of one. Um, What's a good pay-per-view to pick? What month are we in? August. Um, Let's do... Let's see what was the August pay-per-views. In the year... 2009. Let's see that here. Um... Night of Champions was there. I think we did that one already. Let's that's not do 2009. Let's do 2001. It's only SummerSlam, eh? Well, that hey, we're gonna do if there is one. Oh, for fuck's sakes, we've done that song before. Oh, I should have picked this beforehand. This is this is just getting stupid now, isn't it? Let's do 2002. August. Where's August? Also, oh, we've done that. Okay, this is going just swimmingly. 2006, August. Uh, I don't think we've done that one. Nope, we sure haven't. All right, SummerSlam 2006 is what we're doing here. Uh, there's two themes, and I'm going to pick the Godsmack one. It is The Enemy by Godsmack on this card. In a dark match, you had Carlito defeat Rob Conway in a singles match. Chavo Guerrero defeated Rey Mysterio at 11.01. Uh, Big Show defended his uh, ECW World Championship in an Extreme Rules match against Dog Poo Sabu at 8 minutes and 31 seconds. Hulk Hogan defeated Randy Orton in a singles match. Was that around the when he RKO'd Brooke? I bet you that was around that time. Uh, Ric Flair defeated Mick Foley in an I Quit match. 13 minutes, 14 seconds. Batista defeated King Booker to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, no, sorry, he won via disqualification. Therefore, he did not win the World Heavyweight Championship. DX, oh, that's timely. Triple H and Shawn Michaels defeated Mr. McMahon and Shane McMahon in a tag team match at 13.01. Boy, the build to that was great. The whole changing the pitch of Vince's mic. You people think this is funny? Makes me laugh every time. Uh, and then Edge defended his WWE championship with Lita at his side against John Cena at 15-41. And that is the SummerSlam of 2006. And we will be listening to Godsmack, the enemy on the way out. That, that's the podcast. How's that? Sat pod in an hour. One third of the people and only half the time. That's not bad. For me to sit here and do one hour by myself, I think I did pretty good. All things considered, I think it went well. It was probably super shitty, and that's fine. Let me know. If uh, if you don't ever want to hear this thing again, I don't know. Like This is honestly the first time that we've ever been in this situation where there has only been one person able to do it, and that one person is me. So um, if it ever does present itself again, I would like to know if you guys are into this whole me doing it by myself or if you would prefer me to just 
fuck off and we'll <laughs> do it with three people next week because that's fine with me too. So I tried. Just know that I tried my best. And that's all that really counts, right? All right. You can follow us on on uh, Twitter, at SatPod. You can send us an email, SatPod316 at yahoo.com. Uh, you can follow me at the Diesel Barris. Scotty is at Scottbox64, at Brando1990, at BB Boris, at PWA Wrestling CA, at Talk Reckless Pod. Their Reckless Rumble is coming up on the 26th. That is two weeks. Two weeks away where they'll be playing video games in a Royal Rumble-esque style of uh, of event. I've totally influenced Matt Eads into getting back into wrestling. Well, into wrestling, period. He never really was into wrestling. Um, but I love that I've just affected him in such a way that now he's transforming his podcast events into wrestling-themed events when they are, in fact, a video game podcast. Oh, oh what's going on? Jesus. I almost made it without screwing up. Uh, very good wrestling podcast at that. So if you are a fan of the video games, uh, I recommend that you check out their podcast. Brando is also on that podcast. Not all the time, but from time to time, they've really got it figured out, actually. Because they've got like eight guys that kind of rotate in. Wish we had eight guys to rotate in. Then I wouldn't have to be here by myself right now. Would I? Nope. I sure wouldn't. Um, the uh, Talking Reckless guys are also on uh, the Twitch. They've been streaming an awful lot on Twitch. So if you do have a Twitch, and I believe that entire uh, Reckless Rumble event is also going to be on Twitch. They're going to be streaming the whole thing. Uh, Brando will be there. So if you want to check that out, you can follow them on Twitch. Talking Reckless, R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S, podcast, all one word. Look them up on Twitch, subscribe, and then make sure that you are watching on August 26th. That is a Saturday. I know it's the same day as the McGregor-Mayweather fight. I know. I'm not happy about it either, but I'm going to have to split screen between the Reckless Podcast, Royal Rumble, Reckless Rumble, whatever the fuck it's called, and that fight. So you can too, all right? Go follow them on uh, the Twitch. And that is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. That is a podcast if I've ever done one, and I've done several of them. Um, all you got to do is put the sat signal out there, and I'm, I'll... Well, thank you. I didn't see these tweets from Ty Loney and Jerry that said, I'm available if you want a guest. I should have, but that's okay. I didn't see them until right now, so that's all right. Um, yeah, we'll be back, hopefully, with more than just me uh, on the podcast next week. We will listen to The Enemy by Godsmack, and that is the podcast. I'm going to do a Scottyism now as I think of one on the fly. Until next time. Don't forget to schedule a job interview the same day that you agreed to do a podcast, therefore leaving your co-host of said podcast to do the podcast by himself. Woo! Hey, hey. Oh, Mr.